everybody. Welcome back to another Tech to You Tuesday. I am your host, Ian. I am the general manager of Tech to You. As a reminder for those who are new to the show, I uh, appreciate you guys being here. Appreciate all the people watching. And uh, I've got some fun stuff lined up today. Last week, we talked all about scams, and I'm kind of taking a different direction this week. We're going to be talking about um, 3D printed food. I've got some AI topics for you guys. Uh, definitely some interesting things. And I'm bringing back one of our guests. Uh, Ryan Beck is with us again today. Ryan, thanks for being here. Hi, and uh, as a reminder, Ryan is the manager of our remote support department. So he's somebody who deals with, um, I guess I said this last time, kind of the easiest way to put it is a lot of the most difficult uh, services that we do is, you know, trying to explain to people on the phone how to click a thing. And, and, um, and then obviously we have just this myriad of technical services that we provide remotely. So um, we'll loop Ryan in in the areas that he has expertise and also just his terrible opinions of things. Um, hey, of I which, good opinions on shirts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're watching and not listening, you can see how amazing his uh, opinions are of shirts. Um, you're, you're like holding out on buying that one. Yeah, since uh, since May. I found it on clearance the Actually, other day. Speaking of your opinions, what was they were closing out the show and they were talking about a band. I didn't even remember they, the name. They said the refreshments, yeah. And you were at like the, at the beginning, this is such a great band. And you're like, that's my jam. Yeah. <laughs> my dad listened to that a lot as a kid, so it stuck with me. <laughs> so um I got a few different things I wanna I wanna run into today. Uh, I wanna start with AI and I can't it seems like it's just an unavoidable topic when you're looking at tech news. Um, AI is always just one that it stands out like crazy. Um, so one of the things that came up in, in just recent weeks was um, this. There, there's a, a, a school that's basically trying to use AI. There's a lot of schools using AI for a lot of different things. But I wanted to start it out with something kind of short and a little bit funny. Um, I'm going to bring it up on the, on the screen here. But I've got this little video of a, a prompt given to AI. It's a uh, design a robot that can walk. And so it makes these, it, like it started with a block, which is kind of a weird shape to begin with. And then it just evolves this block. And so, you know, they use AI to enhance the very quick evolution of this product. And they're just kind of showing on the screen here, this block that ends up with pseudo legs, if you will. Each iteration, they find some structural difference that makes it move the way it wants it to. Yeah. And so I'm showing, you know, how the 3D printing works. They basically print this mold and then they cast the mold into this kind of like a, a rubbery substance that can move. And then the way it's powered is is by a pressured air. So basically you inflate it and then you deflate it. And, and when it inflates, it sort of takes a step forward. And when it deflates, it kind of solidifies that step. You can see it at actual speed. It's not that impressive of an object that moves on its own. No, the final product's not what they're trying to demonstrate as being impressive, though. It's the concept here. And I, I just thought this was kind of a cool thing to start off on is like the really unique stuff that people are starting to use AI for. Um, some of it super, super useful. Uh, some of it is obviously just for fun. There's plenty of that going on even in this office, just the ridiculous stuff that we'll use it for. Um, but the, the thing with this like instant evolution thing, uh, which is what they're, what they're kind of targeting here is like trying to, whether it's, you know, in this case, it's a thing that walks, but instant evolution of anything, it could be, um, you know, make this aircraft that works in this way fly more efficiently. 
make it more aerodynamic, make it whatever, yeah. you know, or, you know, inspect this jet engine and all of these other jet engines and take their varying products on how they work and what causes their efficiency to be either good or bad and use that information to make something better. Well, the, the benefit too in that is that it can go through a lot of different calculations and formulas relatively quickly. And so other applications, like you've probably heard the person who was using AI to create patents on a lot of different combinations of notes for music yeah. to make it free and open for people so that nobody could claim that this is a, a locked down pattern. Yeah. It was like, um, like he, he picked uh, chord sequences, yeah. I think. Right. And I think what he did was he took either three or four chord sequences. And if you take every possible chord and every possible sequence of chords, you can basically make every song that has ever been written and ever will be written. And yeah, like Ryan said, he just um, he patented every just single had AI push through it. Yeah, capable than one. we could. Yeah, I patented them and then said, okay, they're free for anybody to use. So no more lawsuits on you stole my 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 ditty for from those. my song. Right. Yeah, for those. But yeah, pretty cool. A million different things that it's being used for. But I thought this one was just kind of an interesting, this like ugly little blob that can walk. And, and they, they only gave it the instruction of, you know, design a robot that can walk. And it's interesting that it took that approach with no knowledge. It took the approach of starting with a block for some reason. And then it, and then it kind of gave it legs. And, you know, obviously I'm sure it's still iterating since they started this. But um, AI continues to be incredibly impactful. One of the things that we use it for um, legitimately rather than just the fun stuff is uh, we use it for finding mistakes in things. So like a, a quick example might be if we get a full page of code and we have to sort of you know sift through this code to figure out where a mistake is that's causing an error that happens. We can put all of that code inside of chat GPT or other AI tools that are similar and say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing this particular issue. Um, what is the likely problem? And it can analyze that code in seconds and, and, and output for us a, a response. Um, oh, somebody's asking us to turn up our volume here. We got, <laughs> it's funny, I mentioned brand new hardware last week. I just got new hardware again yesterday. Um, I'll go through the reasons for that uh, later, but um, I got new hardware yesterday. So yeah, I've, I've got the mics up a little bit better. Feel free to email back in if, if that's not good enough. I appreciate your messaging. So um, the, uh, let me adjust one more time here. I don't want to make that too loud. So the 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 code example, um, the only reason I really bring that up, I mean, this is kind of boring for the for the large audience. I'm like, oh, okay, you're using AI for code. It, it It's leading to one of the very first examples of AI creating mass disruption in people's jobs. And uh, there's a company that we use, um, that developers use, not just us, almost every company uses this uh, that does development. It's called Stack Overflow. And the easiest way to describe Stack Overflow is it's kind of like, it's kind of Google for developers. I, I guess that's kind of the easy ways to put, easiest way to put it. If we are trying to figure out like, oh, you know, I have this form built on a website and I, I need to make sure that when people submit a date uh, selection of some kind, that the date is formatted correctly and they, they're trying to learn, go to Stack Overflow. And uh, at Stack Overflow, you'll see examples of how people have accomplished this kind of thing. And, um, and what they uh, what they'll do to um, you know iterate on different versions and there's there's tons and tons and tons of history on this website for developers. So Stack Overflow 
um, is a website that you have as a service to developers to learn and improve and, you know, kind of iterate on their existing code. It's a, it's a form, you know, um, like you can go and have discussions and they just recently announced that they're going to be laying off 28% of their staff. And uh, the quote from the article is, um, you might think of Stack Overflow as just a form, but the company is working on a direct answer to ChatGPT in the form of Overflow AI, which is which is what they're going to call their own you know, Stack Overflow, the company. They're going to make Overflow AI. Uh, that was announced in July. And this is really just Stack Overflow trying to keep up with ChatGPT. I don't know that they will. I mean, they're, they're losing 30% of their staff. And it doesn't sound like they will if their only goal is to put their own stuff in it. I mean, ChatGPT can get anybody anything from anywhere. If right. all they're doing is making overflow AI, ChatGPT can already give them Stack Overflow stuff. What are they, what well, are they doing that ChatGPT so can't? That's interesting. So this, this, one of the other parts of this article, it says, of course, the great irony of ChatGPT hurting Stack Overflow is that the great is that a great deal of the of the chatbot's development prowess came from scraping sites like Stack Overflow. And it's like when uh, when our techs use it for tech help. If they, they run into a problem they've not really solved too many times, they might ask ChatGPT. ChatGPT is just scraping Microsoft forums, right. Reddit, any other tech help forum for those answers. Right, yeah. And what so what's wild <coughs> is that um, ChatGPT basically... You can use this phrase, I think. Um, this is how Stack Overflow feels about it. They basically stole that data in a way. I mean, it was publicly available, but they copied it and put it in their database for their users' consumption. So they kind of jacked this data from Stack Overflow and then is made a, it... Is a search engine stealing? Yeah, that's the thing. This is like, it's like a whole new thing. So now you've got companies that they have to put a special file on their server to say don't crawl my website for your content so um we we typically we've historically used a, a file called robots.txt and we drop it on a server and websites like google read that before anything else on the website so like for example we have uh we have a customer who we built a website for he's an attorney and he doesn't want clients to find him online he only needed a public facing website so that his existing clients could go there and submit things and he's like so i don't want people googling you know like um attorneys for this in the city and then finding me i just don't i don't want business that way so we put a robots text file on a server and google doesn't crawl it so it doesn't come up so now that robots text file is being used does that work retroactively so no. if it's already okay that's the thing. So telling people that they can make it stop doesn't matter if you've already had your stuff They've scraped already, away. Exactly. Yeah. And not only that, art is that's a big one. So now there's uh, there's AI tools like like Dolly is a big one that's built into ChatGPT where you can where you can like render crazy art, but you can say make it in the style of Picasso. Um, now there's certain artists that I don't remember what the guideline is. I think it's if the artist. Um, had produced art in the last 50 or 100 years you can't use it but prior to that you know it's it's fair game and so there's obviously you know uh art that's like in the louvre in france for example that is old enough that it's kind of like public form that that style could be um replicated a monet for example would be something you like you know draw a, pa a painting of a of a lake in the style of monet and it could it would probably it would do that and be fine but like Banksy, you know, Banksy's a, a popular artist now, and and that's somebody who can say, hey, I don't want you copying my stuff. And 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 moving forward, it will stop copying his stuff. But the but question, it already got, it already has it. Now, like, how do they segment that? You know, because it's not like they classified who artists were very clearly when they collected all this data. It's just art, 
and they know some of it is is Banksy's style, so they can kind of replicate that. But then what do they do? Tell their server like, okay, any Banksy style art at all, delete it. Well, yeah, they and they can't. So the way that the, that's that gets into a whole different thing of how artificial intelligence and machine learning works, where you can't just take specific data out of it because of the way it kind of creates a neural network like our brains work. It's it's right. tied to a lot of different subtopics with varying degrees of accuracy and, and information that tells it whether to lean more toward this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't, you can't remove parts of that model. It's a whole, it's, it's not a file anymore. Right. It's not, it's not accessing a database. It's that whole learned Neural language network. model. Yeah. And so with, with regards to the stack overflow thing, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up today is we we've known for a while that there's going to be a, a heavy disruption in various industries uh, because of how effective ChatGPT is. This is just one example of something that is incredibly effective. It's used today. Our developers in, in, in one room over from me, they're, they're using it today. We actually just used it this morning because we were trying to figure out how an equation needed to work. Like none of us are you know math geniuses. And it's like, oh God, okay, well, if, if the dates are this and this is that, and you're trying to figure it out in your head. And, and we were actually sitting there trying to like write it out. We almost went to the whiteboard to write this equation out. And I was like, wait, <laughs> just go ask ChatGPT because once I can confirm that the number that it output is the number I'm expecting, I can tell you that the equation was right. So I, I didn't even need to double check its work in this case. I, I knew what the output should be and I didn't need to spend time writing the equation. So I used ChatGPT in one of its most effective forms, which is to produce something for me in detail and I had an expectation of what the output should be so I knew it was right I didn't have to go double check its work and that's really that I've mentioned this in a previous show you don't want to rely on chat GPT for perfectly accurate information it's wrong a lot so you want to rely on it for guidance like kind of giving you direction and this was a good example of its use so anyway we use it all the time and even you know our own developers are kind of like well do I need to be worried if uh if you guys are going to be able to just like you know, punch in a couple of strings of text and develop a website. It's pretty far from that. It can technically do it. It can make a website, but it's it's really bad at it. So um, there's not a lot of concern about developers losing jobs yet. I mean, there is some of it happening, but it's it, we're a little ways away from it being anywhere near as good as a human. Um, but obviously, companies like Stack Overflow, this is a company that's sort of designed to be impacted. I hate to say it, but it's, you know, they're an information database and you can gather that information now so much easier from uh, chat GPT. So, um, some other AI, uh, topics and kind of roll through these related topics. The white house recently announced that they want to, um, fund the development of AI, some advanced form of AI for healthcare and for healthcare, it's already been used, um, in some pretty wild ways. I mean, like, giving giving AI a thousand different scans of patients who had early signs of brain cancer, for example. I'm kind of throwing that out there as one of the million things it can do. And uh, and you know, their blood work and every everything that was known about them prior to their diagnosis of having brain cancer. And then you say, okay, now analyze these 50,000 other patients' data and see if any of them are at risk for brain cancer based on any common trends that we as people can't identify, but AI can do a lot faster. And it's already doing that. Um, And that's cool, and it's kind of reliable, kind of. Not incredibly, but again, it provides a direction. It's kind of saying this person might be at risk, so it's worth checking. So there's not a lot of harm there necessarily. It could be used wrong, but it gives some cool direction. So from an article... 
about this. Um, it says, as the White House of Office and Science Technology Policy, it's called OSTP, um, held a roundtable discussion on Friday, October 6th, that highlighted the Biden-Harris administration's priorities to develop and deploy advanced AI tools that benefit the health and well-being of all Americans. So, sounds great. Um, I, I think that one of the things that it's probably most useful for, and Ryan can attest to this, uh, well, I haven't done it yet, but it could potentially be, is going to be working with patients. So, <laughs> I've uh, overheard Ryan incredibly frustrated uh, over the last couple of weeks dealing with the the people version of the medical industry. And um, so first off, using AI for something like, hey, I have, uh, I have a headache and it hasn't gone away for four days. And whenever I go to sleep, it, it goes away. And within an hour of waking up, it comes, well, you know, whatever, you kind of give it your symptoms and it analyzes your history. And it says, hey, you, you should probably come in because it could be this. Or it could say something like, um, it doesn't seem like that is related. You probably just take some Tylenol, but if you're concerned, you can come in, right? It'll always play on the safe side. So one of the things it can do right away is remove the need for as many um, uh, nurses as that they have answering the phone, those those advice nurses that mm -hmm. you can just call and talk to. Um, and that's a little scary to take that out of their hands, but I think that you know they, they gotta deal with so many dumb questions. Like, hey, I fell and scraped my arm and it hurts. What should I do? You know, like put a bit on, on it. Yeah, rub some dirt on it. Um, and I think that, you know, for things like that, just saving administrative cost on simple things, it could be helpful. Um, but it could also like potentially catch things that nurses aren't catching. You know, like if, if you're telling it symptoms and it's like, oh, wow, that, that actually fits this incredibly rare situation where you could have a heart condition and you need to come in immediately. Whereas a nurse might say, well, that just sounds like you're, you know, you responded poorly to the food you ate. Right. It could go both ways. I totally. mean, how, how close is it going to be to, you know, like being a Google doctor anytime you tell right. Google that you have a cough, it's like, well, you you're know, die. you're dying. Yeah. So, um, how get your stuff together. Um, but, but I think from the administrative standpoint, it's really more, well, yeah. Cause then it opens the door for, you know, 24 hour, service right you, you know they don't always have 24-hour helplines with every That's carrier it. or with every office um or the the help that you might get at midnight from a nurse who's on her third cup of coffee running around yeah might be like you said more toward ah oh, don't worry about it because you know they're they're tired they've got a million things going on not that they're dismissive or not good at their job but it's also like when we're solving a computer problem you've gone through the same issue with a pop-up a million times ah you know what it's just it's probably the setting i'm not gonna look too far you know yeah. you might be helping your family or something you're just you're tired of it and you go through and miss did you miss something yeah. you know and so that's that can happen i think equally with people as it could with ai i don't think that it's more or less likely well and i think i think that the push for this is cool like i i commend the white house's interest in in um implementing ai and advanced healthcare. like our, our you know I, I think that it doesn't really matter what side of the aisle you're on our healthcare system sucks and that's a pretty i think the one the one wild card variable in it is how many people are going to be less likely to trust it because it's government funded oh, yeah. or, or because of partisan funding versus sure. it being a, a third party that's yeah. not leaning one way or another. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good consideration. I, that's going to affect everything that as AI develops, how, how politics get involved. What I was thinking though was, was one of the areas that it could be impactful. And I think it probably will be in the near future. I think this is the kind of thing people need to look out for is right now AI can already speak so well 
that it's it can fool i would say most people especially if you don't know that that's what you're talking to or that's what you're looking for if i had to guess probably 60 70 percent of people wouldn't detect that they're talking to ai right now well Even, that was like um you you remember a few years back, even before we moved over to the McClellan office, Google did their uh, the call assistant that would call and book schedules for like dinners. Oh yeah, or for theaters. Yes, and they were programmed to have different kind of human speech patterns where they might say um or like or have more realistic human pauses. And people couldn't tell they were talking to an AI, and it yeah. made people super uncomfortable when they were told that they were. Yeah. So I, uh, <clears throat> I was thinking about your your frustrations recently. So um, I, if you don't mind, can you just share briefly the thing that was pissing you off and what you briefly what you had to go through? Well, the the thing that frustrates me isn't ever necessarily working with the doctors or getting diagnostics or or told that. It's the every year having the same prescription that I've had for two decades have to be reauthorized by somebody who is not trained in any way shape or form in the medical field to know what's you know to my benefit or what I need to survive or, or be healthy um, you know because they want to right <laughs> they, they yeah. want to be able to get their bottom line filled or tell me what what medicine they can afford or, or what I should be able to get under my insurance and then I have to get that that authorized and wait for them to send a prescription through. And my, my well, doctor. authorized by your doctor. First authorized by my doctor, then approved by my insurance, and then sent back over to the medical provider to get me my supplies. So anybody else who's who's diabetic, um, type type one, know, type one diabetic, insulin dependent, the pump and, have an and the whole thing. Pump, yeah. um, you you know what Ryan's talking about, but if you're if you're not if you don't know what type one diabetics who are insulin dependent, um, deal with, uh, you know, your livelihood is based on healthcare providers delivering you supplies mm -hmm. and, um, literally like, yep. you know, and, and it, with saving all the details, it's not even as simple as like going to the hospital in case you run out of supplies. Like you can still have major problems, even if that were the case. And so, um, <laughs> these frustrations that you're dealing with talking to try, getting a hold of people talking to the company that's supplying equipment getting a doctor to sign off on something that we know that you have it's not like your diabetes went away nope. you know you, we know you need the supplies a computer ai would be able to analyze exactly what's going on assess that you need more determine that it's a high priority create an order have it shipped and do everything without human involvement People could do all that too. Of course, they could, so but they suck at it. Sure, but but so I mean, if they make this AI or robot helper and it's got the same artificial barriers barriers that it has to go through, it's like, all right, well, you know, this person needs this. They've been recommended this for years, but as our program, we really need you to push this product that we get paid to <laughs> yeah, sell yeah, or that right. gives us a higher profit. Yeah. So it could still be just as frustrating or difficult or as many steps, yeah, but then true. I'm dealing with a robot that really doesn't care when I yell at it. That's where, yeah, right. That's where reform in the medical industry is going to obviously be needed. But um, when it comes to the ability for you to potentially get through these situations a lot faster, obviously this is a, probably a really great case for anybody who does sell medical supplies to utilize AI because the company who is selling these supplies is getting paid by your insurance. They're incentivized for you to have these supplies as quickly as possible and get paid. Yep. If they had an AI tool that could help accelerate this process, not only are you much more likely to live, they're going to get paid. It's a totally a win-win. Yep. And you you can remove the human element of, of failure. I mean, you introduce a new element of failure, potentially, but 
you know, based on what we're even seeing now, which is the very, very early iterations of AI, the failure rates are significantly lower for simple designated tasks like this. It's not like we're using well, a chatbot that can do anything. It's specific. Yeah, and it's not waiting for a queue for somebody to artificially go through and approve things manually one at a time, right. reading things. They're just right. snapping yeah, through everything. Exactly. It's got all the data there. So um, it, one of the comments inside of this this report said that uh, intelligence finds that six in ten Americans are uncomfortable with a provider uh, relying on AI in their relation or in their healthcare. Um, so sixty percent of people are uncomfortable with AI, and I gotta say, I I mean I'm I'm probably currently one of those sixty percent, depending on how you define. Um, comfort level of AI involvement. You know, if, if if AI involvement means that it's just providing some guidance and it's not making decisions, that's probably fine. Its guidance is, is should should probably be okay in most cases. It says just under that amount. So let's say uh, I'll cut this down. Fifty fifty seven percent of people are concerned that it would be harmful to the patient provider relationship. I, that's tough for me because I had a, um, a general practitioner when I was, uh, you know, a growing up when I was a, a child, we had a private doctor that we went and saw and, you know, we had, I, I think we had insurance to go see him. I, I don't really know, but I, I had the same doctor from when I was, you know, born to probably, I don't know, 15 or so. And he knew me, he knew my history. He knew things that I had gone in for. He knew, um, injuries and illnesses and all of this stuff. And, and, is he better than an AI tool? I, like the personal element, like immediately I want to say, yeah, but from a, from the standpoint of, you know, retaining information, I mean, the guy was in like his seventies, you know, he wasn't young and, and I'm one of many, many patients. So see, I think it would be best used not to necessarily replace those services, but to supplement some of them. Agreed, so agreed. you call in last minute and they don't have an opening. Well, you know, you can talk to the AI tool today and it can help diagnose you yep. if you're comfortable with it. Or, oh, you know, you don't want to pay the copay. Well, you use the online tool. It's covered by your insurance as opposed to the $35 if you come in next week. Right. Well, so speaking of relying on AI, um, the, the last sort of topic I want to go over with AI today specifically is um, there was a, a Business Insider article that came out recently, and it was basically saying how the head of the SEC, uh, Security Exchange Commission, is in charge of making sure that there's like um, not market manipulation, that people aren't getting manipulated. It was designed after the um, the financial crisis in the 20s. And um, it, it, so they, they kind of have, you know, they, they have their fingers in making sure that people don't screw themselves and, and that there's not manipulation in the market. People don't go broke. And, you know, for the most part, they're, they're, they're a good organization, but it's interesting hearing the head of the sec. He's saying that he's predicting a financial crisis as a result of, uh, AI. But the reason for it is kind of strange. The prediction is that somebody somewhere is going to utilize AI more than they should. Basically, um, what he's saying, Gary Gensler uh, is, I guess that's a guy's name who's the head of the SEC. He says he told the Financial Times that it was nearly unavoidable that AI would cause a financial crash as soon as the late 2020s or early 2030s and said that reliance on models developed by tech companies could lead to economic chaos. The implication there is that someone in the banking industry is going to rely on it for uh, something that leads them down the wrong path. And as a result, there's a market crash. It goes on to say, um, I don't think that we will in the future have a financial crisis or I do, sorry, I do think that in the future we will have a financial financial crisis. 
And in the action reports, people will say, aha, there was either a data tri- uh, data aggregator or one model we've relied on, blah, blah, blah. And it's maybe it's the mortgage market. Uh, some sector is going to basically have a failure. So some person somewhere is going to rely too heavily on AI's ability to do a good job. And as a result, you know, we're going to project something. We're going to make decisions based on those projections. And they were completely wrong. So to me, this sounds a little bit like... Um, this is grandpa saying, I don't trust the telephone. What was wrong with the telegraph right now? I, I don't think, I don't think that he's wrong in his concern, but it feels a little bit that way because he's just speculating that there's going to be someone somewhere who does something wrong. And as a result of them screwing up because of AI. Well, I mean, if somebody sits there and says, eventually there will be a financial crash for long enough. <laughs> one's probably going to happen. Right. I, I don't know much about markets or anything like that but it seems to me that you know at a certain point if you let ai take over for it and it's guiding a trend and everybody's following that trend it's either everybody's going up which means everybody's kind of going nowhere right or everybody's going down which means everybody's going down (laughs) i i think a good way to kind of close off the ai uh, topic for the day is um i i was thinking about this on my way home yesterday I had this Excel file filled with links. I just, um, there's like 50 links in this Excel file, stuff that needs to be purchased. And I, none of it had prices next to it. It was just links of products, no descriptions. And I was like, oh man. So the person who gave it to me didn't know exactly what I wanted. So I was like, all right, I got to populate the rest of this. And I was thinking to myself, man, it would be so nice if I could just type into like Microsoft's Copilot, which we don't have yet. Um, can you just browse each of these links for me, insert the prices into column B, insert a description into column C, and then insert a category into column D? And that would have saved me so much time, and then I could provide that list for approval for purchase. But instead, I had to do it manually. Um, But what I got thinking about, I was thinking about that list going home. I was like, this is gonna be the kind of thing where our generation is going to struggle with knowing how to use AI for stuff like that. Hmm. We're trained to think, I have this set of data, I needed to put it together with the tools that I know how to use. Just like you know, our grandparents were trained, this is the time that you would use a telephone and this is its purpose. And then cell phones come out and it's kind of like, well, that seems a little unnecessary that you would need a phone all the time. Now they're a necessity and everybody has right. them. Um, texting came out and we didn't really know the, the way to use it. You know, it's kind of a new technology. And I mean, texting emerged really popularly at the time where you and I could start actually making use of it. Like we were at that age where it's like, oh, okay, well, this in- is available. Innovations usually come before their usage. Right. Yeah. You know, that's so, a good way to put so it. So we're going to, we're going to get this innovation and then we're going to develop the ways to use it yeah. efficiently. And so the reason I wanted to kind of cap the topic out on this is almost exactly what you just said, which is, I think that the most impactful form of AI or the most, I think that the most impactful day-to-day part of AI, we haven't even discovered yet. No. Um, And I think that we specifically, you and I are at a little bit of an advantage because of the industry that we're in, but we meaning our generation and especially every generation before us is at a significant disadvantage on how we will think about its ability to be used. My son, who's 11, is going to be getting into that. You know, he goes into high school in, what, four, three, three, four years. And everybody's going to be using it. Right. It's going to be, it's a totally different landscape. 
do schools have to conform now to AI writing paragraphs and and, and, and uh, essays for their students? Like, what are they going to do? It's going to get impossible to detect. It's already pretty much impossible to detect. Yeah. And obviously, so it will be changing things. Um, and and I, I wanted to just kind of cap it off with that thought, which is that if you think that you know what it's capable of now, you don't. Um, and it's impossible to predict everything yeah. that it could could be doing. Um, it's fine not to know what it could do, but but what you should do is be learning and preparing to to use it and go alongside it as it grows because it is going to be a big deal. Play with it, yeah, you know, pull it out sometimes. Just play with it a little <laughs> Just bit. Be, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chat GPT has a you know a free free version that you can use. Bing has it, and uh, it's really cool. I, I I encourage people to mess around with it, talk to it, um, you know, ask it questions. And Just try it out. Try it out. Yeah, it's really interesting the stuff that it can do. Um, I want to answer a couple of listener emails. Um, so one of the ones I got was about a computer being full. They didn't specify what kind of computer they had. Um, this kind of goes to our topic of like answering. Some of these are actually, this is a really great question. Some of them are very simple questions and I actually really love the simple ones. So when you got something that's just like, oh, I got this thing that's been nagging me and I don't fully understand. Those are a great email to send, uh, send it into rad at radradio.com. I've got that up so I can see those emails and, uh, I love answering those kinds of things. So this one says, uh, my computer keeps telling me it's full. I transferred tons of stuff onto an external hard drive and deleted it off my computer, but it didn't seem to make a dent. Now, I don't know exactly what you mean by that. I don't know if you mean that literally in that the the value of space taken up on your drive quite literally did not change at all, or if it just seemed like it was very little. That makes a big difference. Um, and then they go on to say, when I look at where all the memory is being used, most of it is considered, quote unquote, other. What the heck is other and how do I clear it? Other tells me it's probably a Mac. I was going to say, it sounds like a Mac and they're looking at something like a data management screen. I think so. Um, and one of the, my guesses is that they deleted everything from, let's say they had it in a documents folder and then they just haven't emptied the recycle bin yet. Yeah. Because that's still going to be stored locally on the drive until you delete it. Other is one of those things that is considered the recycle bin on your Mac. Temporary it, folders, cache. Exactly. Yeah, that's operating system files. Um, it's a lot of things that can be deleted, but it's also a lot of things that you can't delete. Um, specifically, you know, critical operating system files or critical program files that are in a folder that Apple or, or Windows, if, if depending on how you're looking at this, uh, it just simply can't identify. It can't give it a class. Um, what I would recommend first is just if you haven't already, clearing a recycle bin is a great way to start. Um, and then, you know, if if you're saying that you move data from one place to another and there was literally no change, then yeah, it probably is that when you deleted it, it's just the same amount of data still sitting in the right. side of the recycle bin. You just got to gotta clear it. Um, one thought on this, though, and I can't help but say this. If, if you take data from one place and you put it in one other place and then you delete it from the original place... You still only have that data in one place. Right. So you took all, let's just say, let's say these are pictures. You took all your kids' pictures. You moved them from your computer to your, what you call your backup hard drive. So now they're quote unquote backed up, but then your hard drive breaks and they're not on your computer and the hard drive's broken. So your stuff is gone. Um, what we usually recommend is that you keep a copy on your computer, make sure that there's adequate space for everything that you need there and then put a copy on an external hard drive. So really you want to have you know adequate internal storage on your computer. Or sticking to Mac in general, 
iCloud and on your backup. Exactly. They, again, just no matter what, two places. Yep. Yeah. And 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 there's a million free services out there to back up your data too. So if if you're like, well, you know, my computer only has this big of a hard drive, I can't afford an upgrade right now. Then yeah, a cloud service as well. Um, Dropbox, Google Drive. If you're using an Apple, uh, you know, again, like like Ryan said, uh, an iCloud account has you can get two terabytes of storage for like three bucks a month. It's tons and tons of space. And um, so getting a, a cloud backup and then maybe also putting it on a hard drive, then at least, you know, data is yeah. safe. Um, so that'd be my recommendation. Um, I got another one that was about uh, a phone. This is kind of an interesting one. It says, I think Android, I, um, I'll, I'll correct this. I think my Android phone has a virus and I have McAfee on it. Um, I'm ready to upgrade my phone. Will the virus be transferred to my phone through my apps? Any suggestion on how this, uh, how to not have this come over? Well, it depends because there's probably not a virus. Like you can download yeah. bad applications, mm -hmm. but oftentimes they're just pop-ups that come up on your phone that can be closed or cleared or swiped away with, you know, a little bit of extra intervention. Um, Antiviruses on phones are largely ineffective. Mostly. In in that they'll maybe protect you from going to certain apps or, or potentially block a pop-up. But even on Android, I feel like that's not very easy to do without jailbreaking and getting root right. access to your phone. So getting, getting your apps exclusively from the Google Play Store is helpful. But not always. Not always. Great. But but but, but side helpful. side loading apps. Um, and if you even know what that means. Oh man, thankfully by default that's disabled on Android. Yeah. So side loading apps basically just means that you get applications for your phone from a different source. And it's not incredibly hard to do. There's websites you can go to where it's like click here to download this on your Android device. And it kind of can route you through the side loading process. It might even get you instructions on how yep. to enable it. Um, but side loading is generally something that if you don't even, if you don't know what it means and you don't know what the implications are, basically, if you're getting an app on your phone from a source other than the Google play store, I, I would highly advise that you not do that. Well, the, the way that it happens most frequently using play store as an example is anytime I search for an app on play store, for example, the first two or three listings are ads Yeah, and they're going to have the name of what you're looking for. And it's going to be a completely different company Yeah, yeah. and you're going to oh, install yeah. it and it's going to be junk. That, and you're going to think that you got the right thing, but you were, you, it was being advertised to you. That reminds me. I actually, um, I had been talking about, um, you know, you can just go to the, uh, the Apple, you know, uh, app store and search for chat GPT to get their app. Um, but this is, this is a uh, wild. So, I'm going to show my phone on the screen. I see if that shows up here. Oh, the ring light's going to screw it up. Oh, you can kind of see it. Okay. So right there at the top of the screen, you can see I typed in chat GPT and then it says AI chatbot. <laughs> and that top result is not chat GPT. It's something that is, uh, it says it's powered by chat GPT, but I don't know what they do with your data. And it probably has hundreds of thousands, if not millions of downloads. Yeah. I mean, it's got 41,000 five-star reviews. So it works, yeah. but I don't know. And you don't know for how long it's going to work. If you don't know the developer, yeah. it might be a great ad that or app that eventually turns into who knows what. So right below that, unfortunately, um, this is because this is an ad is what's showing up first. Right below that is the official ChatGPT app. And it actually says the official app by OpenAI. And... This is something that Apple is pretty good at. They vet apps in their app store. Circles is actually one that, you know, when we, whenever we put an update in the app store, um, which 
the audience I'm sure wants to know more about it. Believe me, there's an announcement coming soon. Be patient. I that's, I'm going to leave that to John and Danny to bring up on the air when the time is right. Um, but there is, um, there are hoops that we have to go through there. There was actually, there was a, a recent iteration that we pushed where I think that they had, Apple had discovered that like a button that you could press on a certain part they their opinion of it was like oh it could be confusing for a person if they tried to accomplish this specific thing so we're going to reject this version of the app just change that little thing and then we'll let it through and so you can see like they're not just scrutinizing is this application safe um, safe is it is it functional yeah. does it work is it is it gonna is it gonna confuse consumers um and and, and I, I appreciate it we really love when they give us a rejection because they might find something that our testing didn't find yeah. um it's rare that we'll see those and it it is usually for really weird things, but we, we at least know that they're that they're looking for that kind of stuff. So, but in the Google Play Store, there's not that same vetting process. For the most part, anybody can put um, an app in the Google Play Store. In fact, even putting circles in there is one that's relatively easy to do. Um, it get, it does get looked at. It looks they scan it with like you know their tools to say like is there anything malicious, um, but it doesn't catch everything. It's kind of like a, having a an antivirus program on your computer. Yeah, they work great, but it doesn't catch everything. There's zero day viruses. There's new bugs that are exploited all the time. So that said, the Google Play Store, which has as many apps as it does, you know it's it, it's it's relatively safe, but you could have something on there that's malicious. Yeah. Uh, going back to the listener's email, I, it's 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 relatively unlikely that you have a virus on your phone. Um, but and, really, yeah, the, the safe thing to do is uninstall apps you don't use. Uninstall apps you don't know what they are. If, yeah. And, if you're looking for your your apps that are installed, and you're like, I don't I don't know what this is. I don't use it. Delete it. If you're also if you're upgrading to a new phone. Um, you know, Android does provide you a very seamless way to transfer everything from one phone to another, including all your applications, your configuration, your settings. Um, I, people hate to hear this, but I, I don't recommend you do that. If you're concerned about something malicious on your phone, I recommend get a new phone and then just set it back up from scratch. Yeah. You know, the, the main thing you'll lose is like your text history. You can move contacts and messages separate from everything. That's else. true. You could, yep. yeah. And 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 oh, and the way that uh, Android isolates that data it would be incredibly unlikely right. that you would carry over if there was something malicious on your phone that it would be contained within that data right. um so there is a way to kind of get done what you want um it's just a little bit more time consuming but i would recommend applications just reinstall them from scratch yep. just good get the ones that you know you want um, and maybe that's even a good opportunity to kind of vet the programs that you have installed and just sort of double checking. Like, are these things I yeah. should even have? Are they safe? And if you're worried you can't remember them all in your Play Store, you can see the apps you've downloaded in the past. And right. You can go and get the ones you know specifically. Easily. Yeah, yeah, that'll save a lot of time. So you don't have to like search all of them again. Um, so I uh, got a couple other emails here. One, somebody wrote in, uh, Kelly says... Uh, I feel your pain dealing with health insurance and lifelong ailments that require certain prescriptions to essentially keep you alive. I've been fighting for my insurance or fighting with my insurance company regarding asthma drugs. I have been on for 40 years now. Wow. Wow. 40 years of asthma drugs. Um, I need these to literally be able to breathe in my case this year. Anyway, the issue was blamed on a partial AI program. Interesting. They started at the end of September. Problem is it happens every year. AI would have to be have to have been able to check my history and see drugs that work the best and are required for me to keep living. 
Uh, love the show, Ian, but there's still something going on with the sound. The volume will go really low and then it gets really loud again. Okay, I'll keep an eye on it. Thank you, guys. I'll, I have a bar here that I can look. It might just be me with the mic getting right here and then being back here. So I'll keep an eye on it. Thank you. Um, as I mentioned, we just put in kind of in a hurry. We had to put in new equipment yesterday and um, I got to get through testing to make sure it works, but I will uh, I will keep on doing some testing after the show. I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what I was saying too with, with regards to you know knowing your history. If it knows that you're a type one diabetic who's insulin dependent, it shouldn't be much question that you need to get your supplies, you know, and it can look at that history in particular and identify, oh, you need supplies. So, um, yeah, certainly, uh, certainly something that I think we're going to see, uh, affect a, a large audience over time. Um, so I want to talk about this, uh, this, this 3d printing food thing. Brandon kind of teed this up during the, uh, during his show today and, um, during bad radio, uh, we, uh, I, I was telling him that I, I wanted to do this, this 3d printing food topic. And there's a, there's a, a lot going on there. Um, I'm going to start it with, I think that there's a future where tech to you gets a phone call and somebody's going to say, I'm halfway through printing my pizza and the pepperoni is coming out of sausage. Uh, or, or the pepperoni's blue <laughs> or, um, there's no cheese on it. And I can't figure out what's wrong. And tech to you. It's going to be such an expensive pizza. Oh my God. In the beginning it will be. Yeah. Um, tech to you is going to have to learn, um, 3d printing food, uh, supplies and, and, um, <laughs> it's, that's kind of a fun thing to think about. Just that like, it's like a computer science degree with a minor in culinary school. God. Yeah. So, um, I'll, I'll, I'll start the subject subject with, um, the the 3d food printing thing is is here uh it is it is being used now actually i have a i'm gonna have a video i want to share of it real quick this video um <laughs> viewers be warned uh it's gross looking but i'll explain what you're looking at um, first off the video is paused and what you're looking at is this uh stringy mess of almost what looks like perfectly laid out spaghetti. This feels like the modern version of those hot dog videos. They tried to show kids to be like, you don't want to eat this. This is how hot dogs are made. And then, and then they were like, oh man, I'm really craving a hot dog. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at two, they're called extruders. So they're like little, t little nozzles that a, uh, a liquid can come out of. And one of them is labeled fat. And the other one is labeled muscle. And um, I mean, when you get a steak, that's what it is. It's pretty much fat and muscle. Um, <coughs> so I'm going to play this real quick and you'll see, uh, see what we're looking at here. Basically it just extrudes the things necessary to make this food. It, 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 it can design food. Like right now it's making this fancy chocolate dessert. Um, and we're watching people enjoy their foods. They even taste the same as the 3d printed houses. Yeah, it's, it, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cement houses. It's, um, it's pretty wild, but uh, so just talking about the technical side of what's happening here, the, uh, oh, <laughs> it's funny. We were talking about crickets earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the video, like the video that's suggested after the one that I was just playing is like showing a big pile of crickets that make protein. Nice. So the meat itself comes from a bunch of different sources. Um, one of the most popular sources is a plant based protein rice powder. Or yeah. You know, it just, they, they take the, the protein out of it and then they, you know, mix it with other things and make it so that it's in this goo format that you can easily extrude and make a shape out of. Um, and then the fat is, 
either lab grown or it's different forms of protein fats that you can make it like soy and all of that. But the point is that you can, you can take these combinations of what will, what will effectively be different flavors of meat and fat and, and desserts or whatever. And you can print them. I think if I had to guess the thing that is going to be the most popular right out of the gate is going to be uh, desserts. Cause that's a really low bar. Like we already squeeze little tubes of gooey sugar into spoons and eat it or whatever, right? And so, like we're already we're already kind of we've already kind of gotten to a point where it's like, well, it's all sugar anyway, so it's not a big deal. Um, I think that where we'll see this maybe first, where somebody's actually going to say, "Oh man, is this 3D printed food I'm about to eat?" They're going to go to like a fancy restaurant, and the fancy restaurant is going to print out this chocolate. And the chocolate's going to be in this crazy shape, like that. There's just no way that a chocolatier Some kind could of have... crazy comic book scene, right? right. So having your name saying "Happy Birthday" as yeah. part of your dessert at this, you know, uh, five course meal, fancy Italian something restaurant that whatever, any right? uh, what do you call it minimum wage person can walk up, press a button <laughs> with a preloaded thing exactly, <laughs> yeah, and bring yeah. it out to you instead of having to have master's level right. chocolatier who studied in France for 15 years. <laughs> and it comes out perfect it. every exactly. time because yeah. it's done by a machine. So I think, yeah, that's kind of the low bar where, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think the restaurants that if, if people who are generating um, or, or, or I should say creating these like 3d food printers are interested in getting the market at large to accept its, its concept. I, if I had to guess, I would say what maybe 90% of people would probably be okay with, a 3D printed dessert because it's just your melting chocolate and then and then thawing it. I always question what the texture is going to be like. Well, it's, how, yeah, it's chocolate. How, how, I mean, for like when they get to the meat. Well, and okay, stuff. And yeah, so we'll talk all, about that. All yeah. we've seen is the small ones, but the the good question here is, and this this works for you specifically, is that I've been to your house twice where you've done 15, 20 pound smoked oh, briskets. briskets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 3D print this, yeah. this log. Oh, God. Okay, what, what are we going to get to when textures are, we're talking about six inches thick of this layered perfectly texture? Yeah, so um, I watched a video that was actually, I I don't have, I don't have it queued up. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it in another time, but um, actually I'll scan through this real quick and see if they have a, an image in this video. But there's a, there's a, a very brief cut in one of these videos where they're promoting uh, 3d printed food. And this guy cuts a 3d printed steak that has been cooked and he sticks his fork in the piece that he's cut off of the steak and he lifts it up. So now you would see in an, in, in a good steak, uh, the nice medium rare with a little bit of a brown ring on the edge and you know the nice red yeah. okay <laughs> what he pulled out the edge of it instead of that beautiful meat cut was 3d printed line work and you know how there's those people who have uh, phobias of like the little holes that are like organic like there's little seeds that come out of little holes yeah. and things like that I didn't know that I had a phobia of line work in meat until I saw well, this. Well, so, and this is going to be the thing that, you know, somebody's going to wake up from a coma and all their meat they cut into has these lines and like, I woke up in the matrix, you know, <laughs> yeah, like all dude. their, their brains just oh. going to be messed up. So it looked weird. And, and the chefs even acknowledge like the, the flavor is not the same and, and the texture is not the same, but they, but they, they say they make it taste good, which I believe. Sure. I mean, you're taking 
you're, you're basically making ground beef and then giving it a structure. Um, so I, I'm sure that if you had no concept of texture, it would probably be um, like, oh, okay, this is good food that I'm eating. Yeah. But it's weird. You know, it's 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 going to be a strange texture. And so uh, I, I guess I should clarify too, just because you 3D print the food doesn't mean it's cooked. Right. So when you're 3D printing, unless it's, again, sweets, chocolate, whatever, um, it's not ready for consumption. I, I, well, okay, it is safe to consume if it's plant-based because you can eat raw plant-based foods. If you go get one of those um, Impossible Burgers, you can let that thing saw, thaw and eat it as it is. Probably still cook it. There's probably bacteria buildup through those I mean, you should cook yeah. it. I'm not saying eat... Yeah, right. But, um, yeah, technically, there it's it's supposed to be... Your computer could have a virus and it gets your meat infected. Yeah, right. Yeah, you got uh, mad cow disease inside of your burgers. Um, <laughs> you, like, you can infect people's uh, 3D printers and have it start... Okay, it doesn't quite work like that, but maybe. I don't know what they're going to be able to do long-term. Well, let's start a conspiracy theory. Yeah, I mean, hey, you're here first, folks. Salmonella and your 3D printed chicken. <laughs> um, but I think that... Uh, I think that there is really going to be a place for it. And if, if there was the opportunity to buy, let's say it was going to be 500 bucks for a 3d food printer and you could put it on your counter like you would any other accessory in your kitchen and you buy, um, powders and, and liquids that go into little containers in the printer, some soil and green, see, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and, and then you can say, um, well, with these provided powders and liquids, you can make a dessert. Or you could make a, a fake vegetable or a fake chicken or a whatever. You know, you can print a food item. A, and A truly dystopian future. <laughs> right. Now, I mean, it's not quite like the fifth element, you know, where she puts the little thing in and like a big old chicken comes out. Um, Speed-wise especially, right, 3D printing currently is slow, but it's right. getting way faster. The, I think they were saying that one of those little patties that they did was what 20 to 40 minutes to print oh and that that would be a fast one too that's like a burger patty right yeah. a smaller burger patty um and that would be really quick like the 3d printer that i have um is one of the fastest ones that you can get well like the standard consumer market can get anyway and it's incredibly fast but a print that's you know uh two square inches that could still take 30 minutes, mm. especially depending on the intricacies, right? So thinking food, you know. So taking this to kind of the, the, the next level here, not just 3D printing goo into a shape, um, but also uh, these, the current, what, what is currently being done, this was just approved in, in, uh, in June, um, it, you can get stem cell-based meat. So meat that is grown from the stem cell of an animal and it so non-vegan 3d printed food i don't know or grown no this, I, this would be more like the lab grown meat then i guess it's lab grown it's not printed but there's a combination of the two uh that i'll get to um but it kind of starts so it starts with a like a small biopsy one of the uh videos that i saw of this it shows them just taking a feather from a chicken and getting what they need from that to some degree. Um, but usually it's a small biopsy to get stem cells and then, um, they culture the cells, which basically just means that they give them this like nutrient rich formula. It's everything that they would need. It's like amino acids and, and sugars and, and, um, Brondo. minerals. Yeah. Bron Brondo. <laughs> I guess so funny. So this guy, this, this guy right before the show started, he yelled and he said, uh, does the 3d printed food get watered with Brondo? It's got electrolytes. It's what plants crave. Um, we got the reference. <laughs> so the, uh, the, 
<laughs> we were both drinking these drinks that have like it's like highlights electrolytes and it's pour this on my plan uh if you haven't seen idiocracy that won't make any sense um it's a good movie um and yeah maybe this is the future like the guy in idiocracy who goes and talks to the healthcare professional or the lawyer or whatever and it's just a robot who like doesn't care at all this is the one that goes in your ear this one goes in your mouth this one goes in your butt yeah, no wait, wait hang on no wait this one goes in your this butt this one goes in your mouth yeah um <laughs> <laughs> oh man that Such movie is so movie. funny um so the uh oh sorry lost lost my spot on my uh on my sheet here so it was recently approved that you can sell sem, uh, sell stem cell grown meat um the fda approved it or usda i believe and um so basically what it does is you, you get these stem cells you, you culture them so you give them what they need to grow uh it begins forming tissue and the tissue that, so from what I've seen, and, and a lot of it is kind of behind closed doors because the innovation is happening so fast, the tissue looks kind of like ground ground meat. Um, like the chicken, it kind of looks like what, <laughs> sounds gross, but it kind of looks like what McDonald's chicken nuggets look like before they're cooked. Oh, there's such a good video of the a dude going around showing little kids like this is what the the pink paste and they're like ew and he's like all right now who wants chicken nuggets and they we all do. raise their hands in the yeah. look of defeat on his face totally I love that video yeah I mean you know it's the same thing they still taste good yeah. um, I know what the end product is I don't care what you do to get there. So they, they, they basically, what they use is again, stem cells. They, they provide it nutrients that it needs mostly from plants. Um, some fat cells, uh, grow muscle cells grow. And then, and then they have to give it like a, a structure. So they use, um, edible, edible materials to create kind of a, a structure. Like say you're going to like a mold or a frame. Kind yeah. Of thing. Like it, it, it doesn't grow. Like if you think, okay, it can grow muscle so I can cook it and it's real. It's, you know, it's actual meat. It's yeah. from the stem cells of an animal. Um, it's not like you can say, okay, grow me a tri-tip. It doesn't work like that. It's grow me a lump of this Grow size. me a lump of meat. Yep. And it, But what it can do is they can determine exactly what percentage of fat that it will have. Hmm. They can determine, um, for the most part, where the fat's distributed. So think like Kobe beef. One of the reasons why Kobe it's is... all the marbling. Right. And- yeah. I mean, one of the reasons Kobe is so good is because we've figured out how to get the meat to be marbled as, as, as well as it is. So imagine that you had the ability to influence that like on a cellular level, exactly what it comes out to be. Now, it still looks like you you ground up meat into a paste. It's, it's horror film stuff, yeah. I'm sure. And you can shape it like a steak and you can grill it like a steak, but it does not look like a steak. It doesn't feel like a steak. It feels like... You ground up steak in water and then grilled that. That's, well, that it's, that's it's probably so far beyond anything somebody would ever be able to do in their own home, you know, clean room labs yeah, and environments. I mean, th- theoretically, you know, it gets to a point where you just get the the instruments necessary. <laughs> Easy bake, grow your own stem cells. Yeah. yeah well, okay. So I, what I would guess is that if there is a future of this happening in people's homes, which I think. I mean, it's a long future, but I think that there is a future for this. Um, if you were shipped, if you were shipped product like um, the nutrients that you need to grow from stem cells, and you buy stem cells, and your three D printer can assemble everything for you, and it has its own clean environment to do this, and it self sanitizes, and it self updates, and it, you know, it seems sci fi. 
Sure. It's not really. It's not. It's, it's just not getting that through far, all of those steps. Yeah, it's not yeah. that far fetched. Right now, it's way too expensive. And I think that like even the trend of lab grown meat, which is available for purchase in places now, the reason why it's not it doesn't make sense is it costs so much. Yeah. Um, the I reason mean, it's why the same as you know when computers were first invented, they were the size of this room, right? Right. And you would never be able to afford one. So. Um, Lab-grown meat is only even something that has gained popularity. For, I mean, there's a couple of reasons, but one of the biggest ones is is uh, animal cruelty. You know, people that, that are vegetarians, vegans, they don't want to kill animals. That's great. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have to slaughter a bunch of cows to have meat and it's just as good. Sustainable options. Sure. Climate. Climate resolution. is a big one, right? Because, um, you know, cows and what, you know, the methane from cows. And then there's also water usage is a huge factor. Yeah. Um, the amount of water used to produce like a steak, for example, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like 5% of what's needed to, to water, but you know, the water necessary for a cow be, between the plants that it needs to eat and making sure the cow, cow actually gets water directly. And um, so, yeah, there's definitely, you know, sustainability considered there. I'm I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm definitely somebody who yeah. would be very open to trying it. It looks gross right now, but it's just it's one of those things where this is just so new. So do crickets. Yeah, so do crickets, but you could grind them up. This is a nice protein. Um, some people like crickets. I'm not one of those people. Um, so as far as uh, as far as 3D printing food is concerned, the thing that I think is really going to um, make a big difference is when you can like stem cell grow actual meat, print it, you know, and it's it's. There's a future there. It just it's pretty wild. So, it, with three D printers and all of this, one of the things I, I kind of wanted to end off with was um, the three uh, D printing thing. So, three D printers, and and I might I might even demonstrate kind of what they look like for people and how they work, and demonstrate some uses for them because I I think that they will become more of a household item as time goes on. They're incredibly useful. Um, I have one at home, and I, I've used it for multiple projects uh, at home at work. Um, Oh man, yeah. If people took even just a little bit of time learning CAD or something, you, you could replace so many different parts and fixtures and things in your house when something Dude, breaks. Going back to AI, oh my god, uh, exactly. I watched this video of a guy take a picture of two or take take two pictures of a screw, upload the screw to uh, this AI application, and then it three D designed in CAD that screw. Yep. It exported it to an STL format, which is what three 3D printers need to read. It sliced it and um, and printed it, and the guy had the screw. Yep. I mean, it's plastic. I've seen people do the same thing where they, uh, like Warhammer figurines, for example, oh, people yeah. who do the That's big huge. models, mm -hmm. they'll go find like this super cool mossy covered rock in a forest, and they'll do a full 3D capture of it. Same thing, upload it, print it out, and they've got a nice, yeah, realistic looking from something they found out in nature. So it's unique to them. They're not going out and buying the same game piece that everybody else has in a store. So you know, actually, before I before I read this, uh, maybe I'll highlight another couple of the good uses of a three D printer, which is um, if let's say, for example, you had a car part fail. Yeah, that's just a static piece. There's plenty of those, like little clips and stuff. Um, oh, this clip broke, yeah. right? So you take a couple of pictures of the clip, you upload it to your AI 3D generating software, and you dump it into your 3D printer, and it prints out a clip for you. Yep. And um, you, got a, you got a phone mount for your phone in your car, but you get a new phone or case, and it doesn't fit. Right. Print a new clip on it. You know the the lights that are in my office, the lights that we use for the the show. Um, I was I'm. I keep my office really clean and like tidy and I like having a clean workspace and it was killing me that these like lights were just sitting behind my monitors. So I measured out this little gap on the light 
um, where I could put a hook and kind of hang it on the wall. And so I, I measured them here one day and then I went home and I designed it in CAD. It probably took me 20 minutes. And then I printed them. And I think the total print time was probably an hour for the two. But I've got these two little things on the wall that I can just hang my lights on. It's a little bit more organized. And those cost me in total, I mean, not to mention the cost of the 3D printer and, and everything, but in filament, which is the plastic material that I actually use to print, that probably cost me 15 cents yeah. for those two things. And they're custom and perfect for this application. They're one-offs. They're not, so, you know, maybe somebody else with these ring lights might care to have that, but they're like a one-off unique yeah. solution to my problem. And there's a lot of examples of that. Like, oh, I've got this really weird drawer in my kitchen. What do I do with it? I'd love to put my knives in it, but I don't have a way to to really like put them in there cleanly, but you can 3D print your own. Little, little holder, a right, little tray. That fits perfect in this unique drawer. So countless examples, countless examples of what you could do uh, with, with a 3D printer. New York has a bill, uh, Bill A8132, would target any three-dimensional printer sold in the state, which is capable of printing a firearm or any components of a firearm and would require the retailers in the state to request a criminal history from the state's Division of Criminal Justice Services, according to the text. Basically, you have a 15-day wait period on getting a 3D printer in New York if this passes, which is so crazy. I get the ghost gun argument, um, but the piece... So it says, it says capable of printing a firearm. Okay, first off, Assuming your definition of firearm is something that can shoot a projectile that is held in a casing that has gunpowder, you know, the the pressure that it needs to be capable of holding in order to shoot an actual bullet is, is pretty substantial. And it's probably going to destroy that the first or maybe even second time you shoot it. Generally speaking, that's the case. And now there have been improvements on 3D designs made out of PLA, which is a common form of plastic, which is used for 3D prints. Um to where you can use it a little bit more repetitively. They're just not right right now. They're not incredibly reliable. I don't know, I, you know, from a, a political standpoint and from a, a crime standpoint, I don't claim to know how bad the gun violence issue is from ghost guns. No, I know how scary the thought is. The only experience I ever saw with them is them trying to do the, the ghost gun buyback programs oh, like they God. would do with gun buybacks. And, you know, they'd give you some kind of cash voucher or certificate and people would just print ghost guns to go and take to them so they can get Oh, a, my a God. I didn't even think they weren't even They weren't even it's returning true, them. They're like, true. oh, there's a buyback and let me it's print good. these out and go yeah. turn them in. No questions asked. It cost asked. me a dollar in plastic to make this thing. Yeah. So, um, oh, my God, that's wild. So the, the component of this bill, though, I don't know that this will pass. I'll be kind of surprised if it does. But um, a component of the bill says that any part of a, of a gun that could be manufactured. So... The trigger of a of a nine millimeter that made by a company called Car, that trigger and the entire assembly that it connects to, all plastic, and it's just as strong as it needs to be. So I could print the trigger for that nine millimeter, no problem. Um, they, uh, yeah, I mean, you're not going to print springs, you know, you're not going to print a slide, you're not going to print a barrel, right? Yeah. But you kind of could for one off uses, especially for like, um, maybe if you're using like a twenty two like a really low caliber, low power bullet. Um, you could probably get away with it with some re repetitive use, but not much use yet. Right. I get the scare. I think that there is definitely um, something that should be done to prevent people from being able to 3D print guns easily. I, I think it should be illegal. I think that kind of makes sense um, that 
you know, people shouldn't be able to just make guns that, that have no record. I get it. Um, and and I, I guess I should counter that with saying I'm very much like a pro 2A guy, too. I'm a shooter. Like, I think there's, there's a balance. You still um, have your AR-15 keyboard mouse. No, I actually there, got, so. too, got too grody. Yeah. <laughs> I had to replace it. Um, but I think that... Um, I think that this is just, it's just such an interesting topic that we're going to basically say, well, this thing that 99.9% of the time can be used for good, useful, productive things, but very rarely is used for this other thing. We're going to make right. people get a 15-day wait period on, but we don't make people get a 15-day wait period on buying a car to make sure that you're not, you know... Hit a, somebody with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of... It's just, a, you know, K- a little wear. hypocrisy there, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, kind of an interesting topic. And, and I, I, I'm looking forward to talking more about 3D printing as we go forward because I think it will be one of those technologies that will find its way into more people's homes, you know, over time. Yeah. Um, got a couple other emails here. Uh, Kelly, Kelly says Idiocracy is a great movie, uh, but you forgot one. Ta- <laughs> you forgot one tagline. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, let's see Let's here. Upgrade with two D's for a double dose of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bradley emailed in. He said people three D printing ghost guns can three D print the lower the lower barrel slide and springs to have or sorry can three D print the lower. Barrel slide and springs have to be metal, but the lower is what they use the serial number. Yeah, that makes yeah right. So like if you're making a, um, this is like for the comp, the popular examples like an AR-15. So if you're making an AR-15, there's only one part of that gun that has a serial number on it, which is the lower. Mm-hmm. The lower is like the lower receiver. It's kind of what everything attaches to, um, and then everything else, you know, is stuff that you can just buy on a website. Like Midway USA is a site you can just buy gun parts on. Right. And you could buy a barrel for a gun and, you know, depending on the state that you're in, if they allow you to ship that stuff to you, you can just get it. So yeah, you can 3d print the one component that you need and then just kind of buy the rest. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I'm really, really curious to see where this goes. Like the 3d printing ghost guns is a very interesting topic for me as a tech. Well, and one of the things going into the technical part of it is they talk about doing it to specific models that they deem capable of printing these. And that right. kind of excludes the fact that so many people buy lower end models and then print the components to upgrade their 3D printers oh, yeah. to be more yeah. powerful, to there be was able actually, to do larger jobs. There's a really cool project, a, a, a school recently, um, I can't remember what school it was, but they, they recently had one of their, their um, classes 3D print an entire 3D printer. Yeah. Um, and there was like four components that ended up being made out of metal. Um, things that you just can't really avoid. Uh, it had to do with the motors. And I think the heat for the extruder had to was part of it, but like almost everything else was 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 plastic, at least structurally. Yeah, there's still like a computer and some screens and so, stuff in it. So I mean, if they're if they earnestly think they will stop this by just banning a few of them or a certain class of them, then right, they don't really they they haven't even locked into the ingenuity people already have with these devices. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much you can do with them. It's funny, like one of the first things that the 3D printer nerds like myself do is you get a brand new 3D printer, you set it up, and then you Google what add-ons should I put onto my brand new printer and in fact when I got mine um, it has this lid on the top that's clear and you can lift the lid up and depending on the the um, material the very specific material of plastic that you're printing with some of them require ventilation and some don't Mm. and um, they instead of having the lid off 
so that my cat doesn't jump into my 3D printer while it's going. They printed this, uh, or they, they, there's a design for these little lifters. So it gets ventilation, but the lid is still on and secure. And it was like, oh, that's so genius. Yeah. It, it, like, I wish it would have come with that. But it didn't need to. Because you made it yourself. I printed the lifts. 25 cents. Yeah, right. For less. I mean, it, yeah, it's really cool, the stuff that you can do with it. But um, yeah, something I'd love to talk more about over time is like the things that we can use 3D printing for. And uh, and, and I do hope that it is one of those things that, that more people get interested in and, and ask us to help them set it up and, and find uses for. Um, I, I've used it for fixing plumbing pieces under the sink that were kind of weird I needed to make adjustment for. I, I added a piece to my gutter where a bend didn't really fit right to go into a drain. Like there's just so many countless uses where you can make these like one-off designs that are really cool. So I uh, appreciate everybody being here this week and um, I love talking about AI stuff. We're going to get back to a little bit more tech topics too next week. Um, I've got a few other listener emails I want to go through that are good, um, good general use topics. Uh, I also, at some point, I really want to share this video that I have of um, somebody pumping puncturing a lithium ion battery because I've talked about it multiple times, how those batteries in your cell phones and stuff are basically explosive. Explosives. Yeah. And I, um, I, I feel like it's not actually taken very seriously how, what I mean by that, like that this can shoot like an actual jet of flame. So I want to show that at some point too, and, and kind of give some examples of, of what to look out for if there's danger in that. So I'll show some of those things for you guys too. Um, but I appreciate everybody being here and, uh, looking forward to future emails. If you guys have anything that you have questions on, email us rad at radradio.com and I will be happy to answer them and I will see you next Tuesday.